Welcome to Inspiring Legal, the podcast for in-house legal. Get insights, learn from peers, life lessons from some of the most influential GCs. If it's related to in-house legal, we cover it. For more inspiration, go to openly.com slash community. Welcome to this episode of Inspiring Legal. My name is Stina and I'm a part of Openly. And today I'm going to be joined by Thomas Christiansen, who is going to introduce himself in a second. But before he does that, I can just already now give you a sneak little kind of appetizer as to what we're going to be talking about today. Because Thomas has been on a journey with the company Track Unit, and that has been quite the impressive journey going for, well, growing across many countries on top of that growing himself being the first one in legal and how that has impacted the culture well that's what we're gonna be talking about today welcome thomas thank you Stine. nice to join you well it's us thanking you for for being here thomas i know a little bit about you and your company but the listeners might not so maybe could you give a introduction to who you are and your background and maybe also track unit just so that people get to know a little bit more. Oh yeah, for sure. So uh, yes, and yeah, you're correct. I was the first legal in track unit. I have a background first from uh, corporate law. So in, well, in Denmark, we have a split. You have corporate law and ordinary law. So my, my f- first education was a, a candidacy in uh, or master's in, uh, in corporate law. I did do a normal law, so to speak, uh, afterwards, so I have both, uh, and that's my educational background, and I've had a little bit of a diverse kind of career to go into it. I actually started working for university as a, a kind of a, what is it, department head as on an admi- administrative level for a center, uh, working with teleinfrastructure, which is suddenly where I ended up afterwards also, but that was not the, the trajectory I was set out to be. So. I left them after three years working into a company that was a bit of a startup working within, well, a lot of legal work, mostly focused on employment law, which that was bought by a union, uh, a Danish union called Krifa. Uh, and then I worked for them for about three years after they uh, bought and merged it into um, into their organization. So learned a lot about employment law there. Didn't really feel that that was my my plan for my future. So I uh, heard about a small Danish company that was just been acquired by by Goldman Sachs and Grow Capital at that point. And that sounded very interesting to kind of move out and be in an in-house legal. Uh, So I started there in May 16, I believe it was, which is a long time ago for most people I know. Uh, But yes, so that was my kind of introduction into um, to the work in TrackUnit. TrackUnit is a company that does fleet management. Uh, we have are a software company, have a hardware component as well. It enables us to collect data, have roughly about one and a half million units deployed all over the world, uh, collecting data in construction. So it is the construction world that are, is our main focus. So we call it off-highway. Uh, and our purpose in, in the entire company is actually to eliminate downtime, which is one of the biggest issues for our industry. And plays a lot into the legal order, by the way, we, we like to optimize, we like to be efficient, we like to make things in the best possible way. And it's a not so digitized world that we are trying to help digitize and actually make use of data. And as we also spoke a little bit before the podcast of being open about data and what you can use it for to, to help pretty much the industry. And we see a lot of traction in that. 
recently been acquired by HG Capital, so Goldman sold us. So the uh, PE journey, uh, private equity journey, is, is also part of, of, let me say, my internal education, so to speak. It has been quite a journey going from a, let's say, a normal eight to four job to be uh, owned by a big conglomerate, a PE bank that has some requirements, not just on the legal side, but also the compliance side. So it has been a how to build this structure in a, let's call it a small North Jutland company, maybe not used to too much legal and well, trying to see how you actually gain a role of being a trusted partner in uh, as, as a legal person. So Thomas, when you joined the company, you were their first legal hire. I was. How did you kind of go about educating the CEO and the CFO about, hey, I'm, I'm the new guy. I'm the one who helps with legal. And what does that even mean? So so, so how did you do that? And, and what were your learnings from it? Uh, I would say I was a little bit naive when I started. I had like a big idea about now I have to build structure. I'm going to teach these people how to do legal, how to do everything in the right way. Very quickly, I learned software is definitely not a place where you build structure. It's where you need to be agile. So that's one of my big learnings. If you're in a company and maybe even as the first one, uh, I used to, well, I'm inspired by a few other legal people. So building, I, I call it building walls. I can't build boxes. I can build walls. And within those walls, they can pretty much pounce as they want. I'm just making sure we don't end up in places where we go to jail or get big fines or, well, get into media trouble or anything else. That's pretty much my main task is keeping us within these walls, uh, both compliance and legal wise. And I had to, well, I had to learn to forget about the boxes and, and just say, well, I'll keep us in line, uh, but I'll help kind of uh, impact the business on the best possible way. And I think the journey is mainly, well, if, if all, the, all, all the legal listeners will know that we have a tendency to be always at a little bit of conflict with our salespeople because they see, see us, well, we are slow, we're a bottleneck, we do everything to kind of stop the, the commercial journey uh, and just convincing them, no, that's not what we're doing. It's actually enabling you to do things in a, in a correct way. And I think, well, it took, took a few years, but I would say that the, our legal actually appreciate that the legal department now. So, so sales help, uh, legal help sales. Um, but yes, educating everybody, including CEOs. I think um, from what I've heard from others, but also my own personal uh, experience is that when you start as the first legal hire, it's a lot about not only building processes, but it's a lot about getting people to know what you can use legal like for, how legal can support and be a business player. But at the same time, it's also a fine balance in regards to you also need to build walls. You need to protect the business. Um, so can you maybe just tell a little bit about how did you get started? Like, how did you go about that journey? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a... I'm a big fan of the book, The Trusted Advisor. It has a very good like, trust equation because it, when it boils down to everything, it is a matter of trust. You can't come in and kind of roll over a well a sales department or an engineering department saying, hey, I'm going to teach you how to do this, uh, at least so we stay compliant. It is more a, no, no, this is a business partner. Um, I'll, I'll use an, a, an example. So we had some very big negotiations. Our current CEO at that time invited me to join the negotiations, traveling to the customer. 
and just being in the same room, understanding the business, understanding the requirements from the customer, what they're actually asking. I guess there's a lot of legal people going, we know how to put things on paper, but that's maybe not what the customer is asking for. You need to understand the why behind it. Uh, and just being in that room doing negotiations for a few days, actually, well, at least from the sales point of view, seeing that, well, legal can actually enable you to get a higher price. They want to change a clause in a contract that has a value. It's not just a, well, let's do uh, let's do DAP instead of XWorks on Inco terms, or let's raise the warranty in two years instead of one. And that actually showed, at least that point, sales that, hey, maybe this guy can even help me get my bonus up because I actually get a higher price. So I think that trust building is a, a very key um, to, to getting the, well, an impact on the organization. So moving with you and your journey with Track Unit, from what I'm hearing is that you joined after they got uh, bought by um, an investment uh, or private equity company. And, and how did that transition go about? Did you experience a change in the culture? Did you experience a change in your role and, and the work that you were doing compared to what you had seen before maybe? Uh, yeah, I will say I just started just when they were acquired. So I'll say I I'm guessing if I have to think a bit into the mindset of the CEO, he got handed, I don't know, 100 pages of compliance and told you have to uphold antitrust, anti-bribery, corruption, money laundering, and so on. And he went, I don't know anything about this. I need somebody to help me here. Um, but the culture is, and maybe that's also a little bit uh, speaking about being a Dane, uh, we have a tendency to have a very low uh, practical approach to it. And well, maybe even in, in Northern Jutland, people will say we're a little bit slow. Um, so, so moving from that into a high-speed growth engine that has become under a few bank, that is for sure a change and a change in mindset because you go from a, let's make sure that everything is crossed and checked before we move it out the door until we don't have time to do that. We have to make sure that it's a product that, that runs and, and people can trust it. But it's okay to fix patches while we're working because that's actually what the customer expects. I think that was the main cultural change uh, that we can actually, well, build the, the rails while driving the train pretty much. Um, and uh, and just having a mindset of it's okay to fail. Um, I think our, our current CEO, he was the CTO and CCO at, at one point here, he actually introduced what he called a fail culture. Sounds bad, it isn't. It is a remember to fail, remember to do it soon and learn from it. Because mistakes you learn at the very late stage is the ones that's gonna hurt the company the most. And you, we don't have any blame game. It's not you that failed, a mistake happened and now we need to learn from it. Uh, so it's more on the solution more than the people who actually, well, did the mistake and everybody does mistakes, right? So. So, after that, you, well, not you personally, but the company uh, went into another transaction and another phase of the company. How did that then impact the way that the company is working and, and the way that you're working? So, yeah, I would say we have like a few stages going through. One is being owned by a PE bank, but just expanding into a global role, it, understanding different cultures across the world. It's also, you come with one mindset and suddenly find out that mindset doesn't fit this market. 
uh, and that's not just sales it's also legal right you have a certain way of doing things uh, maybe even country based and suddenly you have to expand into areas where you pretty much have zero idea um, and we are still doing that it's a continuous journey uh, and learning uh, and yes if you're referring to the latest switch we went from a Goldman Sachs owned company to a HD Capital these are very different if, if you know anything about P banks Goldman is is very uh, numbers oriented HT is very oriented on the business of software which means we actually have a owner now that has dedicated teams that are helping building networks and expanding on how you gain knowledge uh, from all the portfolios uh, and this is they actually have a, also communities like like openly they have something called in their case hype where every every uh, general counsel and all the portfolios can actually chat uh, on a daily basis if you have issues and we can compare well do you know a legal guy in malaysia oh sure i use this law firm uh, so it's it's a usable network which uh, definitely drives a it is it's um, it's a good way of collaborating across companies we all have experiences right so 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 for you with that change hmm. what has it meant for you and your role and the way that you've been giving advice to the business have you seen a change? Um, a little bit, yes, because before it was a much, it was focused on the way that we are trusting our in-house legal uh, purely. And then again, when you are a business decision maker, so a CEO, a CFO, sometimes you're okay with making decisions on a 70% basis saying, hey, that's, that's enough. I don't need more than that. And sometimes you want to go expand a little bit. And well, as I say, hey, I can give you the 70%. If you need 100, I need to call a law firm or somebody else. In this case, it actually helps that you can say, well, I don't need to call a law firm. I can have four other portfolios going, yeah, we did the same thing. Uh, well, confidence goes higher, it's not as costly. Um, and it's also a collaborative mindset. So the culture changes a little bit that we don't, we're not afraid to actually show that there's things we don't know because everybody was on that journey and everybody has sit there wondering, how do you, how do you do this? Any experiences? What do we do? Do we hire people here? Do we use law firms? What do we do? And now there is a, hey, there's a knowledge bank, so to speak, you can make use of. So my role is that it's changed in a way that I can actually seek a little bit advice from somebody further along the journey. And I can also give advice to somebody who's not as long on the journey as, as we are. If you look at your own role, and, and, and your own kind of personal development. Where do you see that you have maybe gotten the biggest type of aha moments or like where have you grown yourself the most where you might not have thought about that? I think in the last year or two, I've well, looked a little bit back. It sounds bad. I'm not that old, but I've been looking a little bit back, back on the different things I've learned here and uh, maybe also seeing some of the people that, that I hire. We have a tendency to be perfectionist when we're just out of law school. There's, everything has to be 110%. And at least in, in where I'm sitting, that's not a possibility. Decisions have to be made before because you don't have time or resources to do everything 110. And leaving behind a little bit of that perfectionist and a little bit of the control freak that's pretty much built into our education that is uh, it's been a tough journey uh, but it's also been a necessary journey uh, 
And I will say that, well, hopefully my boss would agree, it's made a better lawyer. I can actually make business decisions instead of just making legal decisions. Uh, and I actually appreciate that, yeah. So the new people you're getting on board, hmm? how do you coach them? And how do you get them to be that type of, of business partner, so to speak? It's a mindset change. Uh, it's 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 not something you can snap your fingers and do. It is a, well, in lack of a better word, it's a bit of a coaching, right? You have to, uh, I, I use the word, we have a feedback feedback and, uh, and uh, well, setting the right uh, decisions pretty much. So if we can't ex explain our expectations and get feedback on it, you're always going to fail. Um, and that is pretty much where for the younger people I've hired is that, no, 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 you have expectations that's here. Mine are actually only here. I appreciate you wanting to reach that level where you want to go higher than my expectations are, but in essence, you've spent 30% of your time doing things that in essence will be redundant at one point because it's just us knowing that we are legal people and we can do it in the right way. Uh, and actually, it, it's a notching. You can't just snap your fingers and tell them, hey, tomorrow you do have to work 70% on that and 70% on that. It has to give them feedback saying that you're actually doing okay when you reach that level. That is what I expected. That's what the company expects of you. Um, and, um, well, mindfulness is something we use in here. And it, I, for me, it's a little bit overused word, mindfulness. It's, it's, it's a thing we've been calling everything we pretty much do where it's focused work. It's, it's something you, well, if you look back in history, Zen has been in Asia for many thousands of years. Same thing, it's, it's mindfulness, right? But it is that focusing on one thing to reach that level that needs to go to and then accepting that is what it is. Um, so I think my CEO said the other day that our biggest job as leaders nowadays is to kind of slow down the new talent because the way that the world works now is that they run with 400 kilometers an hour when they get out of university and want to impress everybody around them, including their peers. But you don't have time to get the experience if you're running 400 kilometers an hour. You have to slow down and actually get experience within one area before you move on to the next. I think that's good. Yeah. I, I think what many are experiencing with people that are just coming out of law school and, and starting in-house is that many of them are super smart people. They are motivated in ways that Jesus, if I had that motivation when I graduated, holy yeah. crap. Yeah. Um, and and so I think what I am hearing and also experiencing myself is that they come on and after three months or maybe six, they start, so what about my personal development? So what are my next steps? What can I do now? Um, so my questions to you are is the following. Do you experience the same? Are you seeing the same trends? And if so, how maybe are you getting those talents to understand there is also maybe a craft that you need to learn first? That there are some things you might not know that you should know before we take that next step. So what do you think? Well, I think you, you hit the, the nail on the head there. It is a, that's one of the toughest things you do as a leader. How do you motivate people and still keep them? Well, you have to slow down. You have to learn a certain task. It's, it's not different than anybody learning carpentry or something else. 
you have to learn how to well put in a nail before you can build a house, right? You can't just build the house and as you build the skyscraper the next day. It takes time, uh, but keeping the motivation in these people uh, because it is a different. And again, I think what is it? Almost twenty years since I was out of law school. So it's not been that long. Still, I see a very big change, right? We we had time. We actually did learn a, tra a craft at a time where I, I call it a little bit jokingly the swipe generation. Everything is 15 seconds, then you can just swipe to the next. Uh, and it feels a little bit, you need to slow down the swiping, right? No, no, no. Stay with this task just a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, you're right. Keeping that motivation. But it is it is dialogue, right? You need to speak to your people. You need to explain what's happening. And you need to kind of figure out each individual what their motivation is and keeping it. Um, it's a fun, fun task to have. So maybe, Thomas, just out of curiosity, how many people are on your team? And, and how are you totally low practical, maybe? Are you having one-to-ones on a regular basis? Is it the classic when you're at the law firm, you like, you know, you have this kind of career progression, like after six months, this happened, after 12 months, this happened. So, so how are you going about that? Currently, I have uh, three people uh, working for me. I had some more people before Corona as well. We had some transitions there, but now three. Uh, one of them is an engineer because I also have the responsibility for product compliance. So again, different mindset, different way of, of working. And, and that's actually fun to see, uh, or at least for me to learn from, because he has a lot more technical insight than I do. Uh, but yes, you're right. So we have interacting and we use something we call impact conversations, which is at least a quarterly session has nothing to do with performance review, has nothing to do with salary. It is actually just a conversation on how are we most impactful, both as, as leaders, so how do we actually communicate what is happening between an employee and the leader, but also how do we best impact the company in what we do. Uh, maybe it sounds a little bit much to have it quarterly, but it's in our experience, at least we need one every six months. And it's it's never a fixed date. It is if the employee thinks, hey, now I actually need an impact conversation, they bring it up. If they don't, yeah, it is my task as a leader to say, well, we, we need to have this. We need to kind of see what we're progressing on. And we also address what is your next move? And is it going to take two, three, five years to get there? Uh, so we actually have a development plan pretty much built into this as well. Uh, but very much focused on this, how do you do an impact on the company? Um, so that's where you are leading people. Yeah. You also need, I, I, I would guess, we all need to develop ourselves. So at least have a, um, an idea of, are we succeeding? Get that like tap on the back and saying, you're good, in, you're good at your job and or you can do this better and then you'll be even better. So, so um, how are you developing yourself? I have the same conversations with my boss. Uh, and funnily enough, there's always stuff to learn. Um, I think it's very much on a personal level. There's not so much you, well, again, my boss is the CFO at this current. I have been reporting to the CEO at a different point. So from a factual point of view, it's not that much feedback, right? I, I am the expert within legal. That's my job. So he can actually give me impact on how to better communicate for, first of all, up upwards. So it is C-levels, it is the board of directors, it's everything we do there. Uh, and maybe also big learning for me, um, I have a tendency, maybe other legal people have too, we want to produce a product and then we want to show them how good we were at the product saying, hey, look what I did. 
and maybe keeping it a little bit to ourselves until we are ready to present. His main, uh, well, point for me to work on is he, he needs me to over communicate. Pretty much everything I do, it's not because I need an answer for him or anything else. It's simply just to be on a, we use Slack as a messaging channel. So we Slack, we email, we phone calls. And it doesn't have to be more than one or two lines. That's it. It's just so he knows this is what's happening. And yes, I can fix it. It's not a problem. But he just does, doesn't want to be surprised by a CEO hearing it from somebody else in the organization going, I have zero idea. So I'm learning to actually communicate a little bit more to my boss and what I'm doing and what's happening across the organization. I think in general, communication apparently can't be done too much. It's actually, you can only do it too little. Um, completely get what you're saying. I think also from a legal perspective, you don't, many don't like to brag, right? You don't want to go and say, hey, I updated the terms and conditions. Like nobody normally really cares that much about it. Of course, like if you're impacting sales, they care, but otherwise you're not going around and saying, hey, and we just did our anti-bribery training. Um, so, so, but there is something about telling people what is you're doing, what is the impact and why? And I think that's maybe something talking also about culture, mm. explaining the why, why is it that we have this training? Why is it that we updated the terms so that people get more of the, it's an underlying foundation what it is that legal is also doing definitely so when you're communicating not just to the ce cfo but internally into the business any tips and tricks to share yeah i think so i think we we lack a little bit in our education we don't uh, we learn to communicate but we learn to communicate factually we don't learn to tell narratives and and sometimes yes narratives can be a way of hiding things i know um but in most cases, it's actually, and I hate the term, but you have to be a little bit political when you, you, you say things to an organization or maybe even outside the organization. Uh, I have a tendency to use humor a lot. Uh, we are a company that actually uses humor a lot in here, so it actually fits into the culture we have. Uh, so sometimes, yes, it's a funny meme while you tell something that needs to be addressed. Uh, it is, well, we do trainings, there's always some sort of competitive thing. I know uh, if you do gamification, it always helps a little bit. We have very, very, very competitive people here. So as soon as I, I, I do a training, I make a test, I put a medal on it. Everybody wants that gold medal. So suddenly the training is just more into it. Everybody's listening to it. But just um, I have an example. We're rolling out some cybersecurity training at the moment. We've been introducing some of the cybersecurity standards. And we are running something that's called the Inside Man. It's a company who has done a with actors a how do you do this? And, and I had the pleasure of actually being able to send something out. It has nothing to do with that, but there was a small link you had to click. And I think about half of my colleagues kind of jokingly said, "Well, we can't click this. It's from the legal guy, but we just saw that video. And if we click a link, it's phishing. So sorry, we can't do what you're asking us to." And suddenly it became a joke, but. Well, speaking from a legal point of view, everybody got it. Everybody listened to it. It's now something that's part of everything's. Oh, you remember that legal guy who sent that out? Yeah, okay, maybe we better do that, right? Um, so it is using the culture in the company to kind of get a message across. Uh, where ours is humor, it could be something else for a different company, right? But 
it is just kind of getting to know your business and knowing how to communicate inside that business. That is where you're going to make an impact. So, Thomas, you're inspiring us with memes and links and, and for funny, catchy stories. And I personally love the fact that the phishing and then the links, it, it's clickbait at its best, right? <laughs> so who do you get inspired from? Like, where did you get your inspiration? A few places, I would say. Again, I am in a tech world, so I must say Elon Musk is one of them. It is uh, impressive what he's doing, and just having a, some would call it a twisted mindset, I would, thinking a little bit out, out of side of the box, right? You're doing business model that nobody's done. Why are you giving things away for free? Well, there is a benefit at the later point, so you have some some things there. Um, and then uh, I think uh, this is Daniel Kaufman who wrote a book about mindsets. I've been reading it's the System One and Two. If nobody's read it, it's a quite good one. I recommend reading it. But understanding how your mind works. Uh, so both that the Trust Advisor. There's actually a different uh, set of books you can read. But having a self awareness and understanding why you do things in a certain way. Uh, that inspires me a lot. I actually like to learn every single day. I've even stated it to a CEO. The way, the day I can't learn anything one track unit, that's the day I'm gonna quit. Um, so, uh, so learning from anything I can pretty much shug in. That's that's what I do. Um, so, uh, yeah. Thank you so much, Thomas, for joining this episode of Inspiring Beagle. It has been a pleasure having you, and uh, thank you so much for sharing. And thank you, and thank you for openly, by the way. Thank you so much for listening in to Inspiring Legal. Remember to subscribe. And if you want more information, you can always go to openly.com community. That was openly.com community.